Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. What are we gonna do, Paul? It's gonna happen, Paul. We're gonna have four undefeateds at the end of the year, Paul. It's gonna throw a big kink in the college football playoff, Paul. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to I'm not targeting your targeting. It is season one, episode fourteen. And if you're coming on to this podcast uh, on October the 29th or 30th, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you have wandered up on our podcast a much later date. This is why we just did an intro. Oklahoma, who everybody was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be Ohio State, it's going to be Clemson, it's going to be the winner of the Bama LSU game, and it's going to be Oklahoma, and I mean, Oregon's out of it, the loser of the LSU game is out of it, LSU-Bama game's out of it, it's just, we need more playoff spots. No, we don't. Uh, As usual, we're down to a handful of undefeated teams. The Big Ten plays each other. The SEC plays each other. ACC, Clemson, probably going to finish undefeated. But, you know, never fear, never fear. Anyway, uh, welcome in, Tom. I'm Jason with your co-host, Tom. Tom, how is it going? (laughs) What an intro, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't expect that one. (laughs) Very nice. We like to keep things organic as much as we can. Definitely organic. It was a heck of a weekend for football, too. But I tell you what, I've been a little bit <laughs> reflective lately. I'm going to tell you a quick story just because I've been uh, I've been thinking about it. Do you ever get the feeling that sometimes you've done a good deed, but you think you should have done a little more? Let me, let me give you a prime example. Deb and I have a collection of teenage girls, along with our two daughters, that we take to church on Sunday. Shout out to the Church of the Highlands. Whoop, whoop. Uh, and they have group meetings after, and, and they talk about life and stresses, troubles, what, whatever. Uh, good stuff, right? You know, being good parents, we're good, yeah. 
good stewards of young teenage girls, impressionable young women. It's, it's great. We feel like we're doing our part. To be honest, it's, I mean, they are a really good group of young ladies. Pretty awesome folks. Well, one of these uh, awesome ladies, who shall remain nameless, uh, she was recently baptized at the church. Well, <laughs> we were super proud of her and of course deb and i were thinking hey we did something really good here we've saved this awesome teenage girl we've we've done our part to bring her closer to god and you know check mark on the good deed right well fast forward to the night before the baptism and deb is hanging out with the girls and and one of the other girls asked asked the one that was going to be baptized says hey are are you nervous about tomorrow her response was, no, I'm about to be baptized AF. She has to know what AF means, correct? <laughs> she knows. She didn't use the word. She definitely used the letters. And, and I mean, she's a funny girl, but, you know, I, that was the point in the story where we go, going, you know, maybe we could have done a little bit more here. <laughs> <laughs> it killed well, me when Tom, I heard that story. I enjoy like. stories like that. That is uh that story was funny AF. All right, what you got for us on the word of the day? <laughs> word of the day. Today's word of the day is yeet. Y E E T yeet. And the urban dictionary describes yeet as to discard an item at High velocity. And as an example sentence, hmm. Mississippi State will likely yeet their coach at the end of this season. Yeet. <laughs> yeet. I thought it was, um, I thought you were going to use it in a sentence like, hey, yeet yet? Well, that's what we used to ask before we'd go to the city cafe. All right, as always, we have winners, we have losers, we have meaningless topic of the day, we've got games of the week, we've got bets, lines of interest for the upcoming week, Instagram model of the week, I'm kicking myself for not putting this girl on earlier, and then uh, the close. So let's start off with winners. Tom, I've got uh, Ohio State, and I've got you going first. They absolutely mangled Wisconsin this weekend. Oh, very nice. The Badgers run Michigan out of the gym earlier this year, and but they couldn't even get a first down against Ohio State. I'm not sure even Fonzie could get to first base on this Buckeye defense. They're playing that good. Taylor can kiss his Heisman run goodbye with a mere 52 yards rushing, and Wisconsin as a team only had 83 for the game. Now, granted, Wisconsin's offense is basically one-dimensional, but they typically do that dimension very well, but not so on Saturday, even in that uh, rainstorm we had. But, uh, you know, not only that, Wisconsin also led the nation by far in total defense, and Ohio State racked up over 260 yards on the ground against them. Dobbins averaged over eight yards per carry. So basically, Ohio State had their way with them on offense and on defense. The Buckeyes would win this game 10 out of 10 times and would cover every single time. I can't believe anybody would have thought Wisconsin had any sort of team this year. Idiots. 
Please go, go uh, back know. and look at our previous podcast. <laughs> We're hoping that people are listening to this as a standalone episode, which you can do, but we, we prefer that you listen to, to, to them in, in succession. But yeah, I, you know, they are Ohio State, like we have uh, we said at our end of the September, end of the first month, September wrap up. I th- I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I think I had them number one, and I'm uh, throw a little teaser out there. Hey, by the way, we are doing another uh, October wrap up. It'll be probably I don't know when we're going to record it. We'll probably need to drop it on Friday on the first. But we'll we'll be picking our four playoff teams, and it's going to be hard pressed for me not to have Ohio State number one. They've just they have been, uh, you know, ESPN uses that game control um, metric. And I would venture to say that game – I bet Ohio State leads in game control outside of maybe Bama, and um, which, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of flying under the radar as we've talked in a few podcasts. But uh, beating Wisconsin – Wisconsin had the one loss. That hurt the perception a tad bit. I mean, game day was definitely going to Columbus. And when Wisconsin didn't hold up their end of the bargain against Illinois, I think that's who beat them. Uh, you know, they went to South Dakota State – so, uh, but just a very impressive win all around. I mean, Ohio State is staring the college football playoff and dead straight in the air in the eye. I think they get the Bama and the Clemson treatment this year, and by that I mean if Bama finishes with one loss, it doesn't matter if it's to LSU, it doesn't matter if it's in Atlanta. If our final record, we have one loss in the loss, only one loss in the loss column, we're in the playoffs. Clemson, man, I've said that in the past, but their schedule is so weak. I don't know that they can afford that loss. But eh, defending champions is going to be hard to keep out, especially if their loss is regular season. They go on and win the ACC. But I think Ohio State is going to be in the, in that in that company. Uh, number number two, the defensive end for Ohio State. Uh, he's a problem, sir. I yes, hope we don't play him. I hope I hope if we make the playoffs. Yeah, I hope they're one and we're two, or we're one and they're two. I don't want any part of them in the first round because two wreaks havoc. No doubt. So that wraps up the the first winner. And, you know, like I said, I always email Tom. I want his opinion. I don't just throw everything together and say, my gosh, this is what we're doing. But uh, we, we decided to go with our second winner is a cluster of teams and just covered – Kind of teased it there. Bama, Clemson, LSU, all winners last week. Of course, all won their game. and uh, But with the Oklahoma loss, the Big 12 is virtually out of it, outside of Baylor going undefeated. And I'll tell you what, if Baylor goes undefeated and LSU loses to Bama by, let's just say one point. Everybody always says three or seven. Let's say one point. Let's say 24 to 23, and a uh, game is equal. Uh, no turnovers by the team, just stellar defense, very good offense. Do you, are you do we really feel like Baylor's better than LSU? So I mean, Big Twelve really hurt their chances, and the beneficiary is going to be Bama, Clemson, LSU. Uh, Bama has had all comfortable wins. LSU and Clemson they've had one game each. That they've won under four points, but you know LSU's got some very good wins. And basically, with OU loss, it gives these teams a mulligan. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Uh, you know, and in addition to LSU, Bama, and Georgia, you got Penn State, Ohio State, and possibly even Oregon that all benefited from it for for exactly the same reasons. You know, it won't even be close if you compare that group of one-loss teams to a one-loss Oklahoma. Uh, at the end of the year, Oklahoma will absolutely be lucky to have one ranked team on their schedule. 
I don't know if it will be Baylor. You know, Baylor still hasn't played TCU, Oklahoma, or Texas, and they go on the road at, at Kansas at the end. So I don't even know if they'll they'll end up with less than three losses. I think the Texas already has three losses. So the second-place team out there, at a minimum, will have three losses, maybe even four. So Oklahoma is uh, mm-hmm. not getting in with one loss. Uh, you know, and if Georgia wins out, even though they had that crazy loss – they they still have wins over Notre Dame. Now that's with them winning out. They they'd have wins over Notre Dame, Auburn, Florida, and either Alabama or LSU. Now, yeah, I think yeah. you'd have to forgive that crazy loss at that point. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of. I mean, that's guaranteed number two seed in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, Bama would probably have the weakest argument for a loss. Well, let's just say if they lost to LSU. If Bama loses to LSU, that really means – and then they run the table. That means that their best win is going to be over Auburn, which if they Mm -hmm. lose to Georgia would end up with four losses on the season. Yeah, Uh, that's tough. Yeah, that's that's tough. So they would – and and then Oklahoma would have the – you know, the metric of, of winning their conference, which who knows how much. That, that's an imaginary number that only the committee knows what they're applying to these teams. But but you see what I'm saying. That I still think Alabama gets the edge there. Oh, for sure. It's not as clear cut. Now, Alabama, if they ended the season with one loss by beating LSU and then losing to Georgia in the championship game, then I think they, they get the nod. Now they have the win over LSU and Auburn. And you know they technically would finish second in the in the SEC, so I think they'd have yeah. a better argument there. Well, I guess we can scratch off a couple of things now. We can kind of just barely touch on Oklahoma being. We're about to segue into the to the losers. We've covered that pretty well, and I, and t- thanks, Tom. Uh, we can totally take out that topic on the uh, October wrap up about uh, uh, LSU Bama. But uh, let's go to losers. And we've got Oklahoma, Big 12. We touched on it. I mean, if you want to add anything else, I think I'm done. I, let me add this right here, which I have you leading. But I'm going to take I'm gonna take control of the steering wheel, my friend. Uh, Afraid of that. Yeah, you know, um, Oklahoma is still not done, in my opinion. They're still not done uh, having to score at least 50 points to win. I mean, they've got some teams that they're going to have to, to – uh, to put some offensive points up. And I don't know that Jalen can do it. You know, Jalen, I was anxious to see, and I tweeted this out. And, of course, you know, as karma would have it, I'll, I think I went and deleted the tweet. If I didn't, I should have. I'm like, now when they got down 40-whatever, you know, 18 points or whatever, or maybe 25 points, it was a ton. Uh, I said, now you're about to see why Tua is better than Jalen because I didn't think he could bring them back. And I would have loved to have seen it. But, I mean, the first pass he throws to CeeDee Lamb uh, – Kansas State does their best Big 12 impression and lets the guy run for 75 yards virtually untouched. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that was just a freebie touchdown there. But the uh, the reason Oklahoma Big 12 is in the losers, like we just said, they are virtually out of the playoffs barring a miracle. Yeah. And I think Jalen just sealed his Heisman ballot too. You know, it's not that he played bad in the game. He had a decent stat game. Really, that's not fair. He had a really – good exceptional stats now if you want to caveat that touchdown like you just did about the 
poor, poor defense of a dump-off pass that went for 75. I mean, that's fair. But he ended up with 395 yards and a touchdown, no picks, and 96 more on the ground, plus three rushing scores. Mm -hmm. But – you know, when you're on a team whose only offense is uh, whose only weapon is offense, you better you better be the person who can do enough to win those games, or you're going to fall behind. And we we pointed this out mm-hmm. early in the preseason that Jalen would be good, but he wouldn't be good enough to simply carry the team to an offensive victory. He's a great complement to a better team, but he's just not going to put you on his shoulders and get you there every game. They had three drives in the third quarter that were all three and outs. And that was the difference in the game because that's where Kansas State went there and scored 24 mm-hmm. and answered during that stretch and, and you put them in a hole they couldn't get out of. So, like we just said, Oklahoma was probably the last hope for the Big 12 and unless there's some sorcery that goes on and Baylor ends up running the table, uh, they're, they're done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The, uh, the second loser, oh, this warms my heart anytime they make the list. It is Notre Dame. L O L. They are who I thought they were. They are going to run roughshod over some of the crappy teams they play. They're very fortunate that USC and Stanford, teams like that, that are consistently on their schedule are down. But they are not elite as they showed last year in the playoffs, as they have shown every time they've made a big bowl game. Uh, and you know Danny Connell, he of course he just loves to reel Bama, and and Bama knows. I mean, we you know last year we couldn't afford a loss because Notre Dame was the fly and the ointment, and they're going to get that at large spot being an independent if they go 12, if they go twelve and zero they're in. And I'm not going to say they don't deserve to be in, even though last year is obvious they did not deserve to be in. But they're going to get that spot, and now that they're two losses, you know that open that is another thing that opens up the door for 11 and one LSU, 11 and one Bama, uh, 12 and one Oregon. Yeah, it does. So, but they, you know, the, you have to look at their track record. In my opinion, they have been an utter disappointment in the playoffs. You cannot put them in every year that LSU or that uh, that Notre Dame gets two losses, two or more losses, is a win for the good guys. Yeah, I mentioned this a few weeks ago that I was going to quit talking about irrelevant teams. I'm going to exercise that right this week against Notre Dame. Yes, yes, let's move on. <laughs> Third loser. Oh, and it, this, it, you know, I had this on my second page of notes, and dang it, I let you lead. <laughs> the third loser is Auburn, so take it away, my friend. Auburn's season is done. D-O-N-E, done. Obnoxiously loud clout. I hear that. (laughs) They have absolutely (laughs) nothing left to play for except for spoiler, which, you know, I don't remember a year that they've been the spoiler very, you know, they they don't play that role very well. They either play the contender and they play that role really well, or they lay down and you know and take their lumps. Their mm-hmm. loss Saturday relegates them to likely a three or four loss season, and they have to beat Georgia or Alabama to get to that three loss. They'll be underdogs in both those games. If they lose both, the best they can finish in the SEC is fifth, which puts them squarely in the Texas Bowl or the Liberty Bowl range. 
That would depend on if the SEC got two playoff participants, of course, but that's a far cry from where they thought they were headed after the Oregon game. Now, they could still right the ship and sweep Georgia and Alabama again to finish 10-2 and and possibly secure the Citrus Bowl invite, but that's the absolute ceiling, the Citrus Bowl. And they'll have to show me that they can play football to win the game at hand when there's nothing left to play for before I'll uh, even put them in you know, anywhere in competition in those two games. The fans don't seem interested in doing that, so why should the team? You know, uh, I was reading one of their chit-chat boards, and Rob Pate, who played at Auburn, I think he's a tad bit older, or a tad bit younger than us. I think he played mid, I think it was on that 99 team that beat uh, that beat LSU at LSU. The last time Auburn has beaten LSU down there, which was last millennium, by the way, but he, he says he, – he writes an article for Auburn Undercover, and he says that Auburn is two plays away from being undefeated. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I my retort would be, well, okay, hey, I buy that. You're two plays away. You're also three one play away from being five and three. You know, this guy is either an eye doctor or a, a dentist. I think he's an eye doctor, but, yeah, uh, if there's 911 – if there's a, a medical emergency, you should still dial 911. Uh, that, that, I was about to say, you know, the, the, the time that, that was a great quote from hangover. And, uh, I was waiting on the laughter and I forget we're on a two second time delay. So feel free to laugh again, Tom. <laughs> it was there. It was there, my friend. Uh, you know, defense is, imp- Auburn's defense is impressive. I've said it. They're like, we're ahead of them defensive statistically, but man, I still am so impressed by their guys. Uh, and which leads me to this. If you're, you know, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson did not come back for their senior year to finish eight and four. They wanted they saw SEC championship, uh, college football playoff berth. Those those are gone. So you should really switch to cans. It's less annoying on the. It's, it's a more impressive opening. So uh, you know now uh, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, if you're listening. NFL, we don't want to hurt ourselves, you know, and we don't want you spoiling <laughs> Bama's season. <laughs> so, yeah, it's time to shut it down. But uh, that is uh, that wraps up our loser section. And now we're on to the meaningless topic of the day. And I don't – we were – Tom and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and we came up with this idea. Man, I, 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 I was so excited. I'm like, we got to kind of blitz through. We've only got one game of the week. So, I uh, said, so we got to blitz through the first part because I think this is going to take a few minutes. We are going to do we, – we, uh, we've already drafted the teams because it was just going to take too long for us to sit here and look at draft sheets. But what we're doing, we're playing a game of platoon football. And if you're not familiar with that, platoon football is you get 11 players, they play both ways, just like 1A football in high school. So Tom picked – we picked 11. Tom picked 11. I picked 11. I was generous enough to give him the first pick of the draft, and then we snaked it. So if you're not familiar with that, it is Tom gets picked one, I get picked two. So that ends up the first round. Now the second round would be me getting the first pick. So essentially I got picked one. I mean, Tom got picked one, I got two and three. Then Tom got four and five. Then I got six and seven and so on and so forth until we got the last pick of the draft. So Tom – uh, we've bounced around how to do this. Maybe it'll come off as good as we're hoping. Tom took the first pick, and go ahead and tell him who you picked first, Tom. Spoiler alert, it probably won't, but, uh, yeah, I look forward to this. Now, first pick, so the more I thought about the type of player I needed to draft who could play both ways, the more I didn't care. Two is that good of a player. That's who I went with. 
I obviously will play him at quarterback because he will be absolutely unstoppable. But I also have him listed on the defensive side of the ball as a safety and with the absolute instruction not to tackle anybody. <laughs> that will come into play how we're going to attack your defense later. <laughs> That's when, when Tom, we, we did this on a, just a regular phone call. And as soon as Tom picked him, we both belly laughed. And I'm like, and after we caught our breath, he's like, what's so funny? I said, I just want to know how the hell are you going to play defense with 10 players? <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I get the next two picks. My first round pick was my guy I got a man crush on, as it's obvious to listen to podcasts, Derek Brown. Uh, he's defensive tackle for Auburn. I'm going to have to put him at defensive end based on some other guys I've got picked up. But my defensive front's going to be solid. I mean, he and he's also offensively going to play right guard. I believe he's got the foot speed that he can be that pulling guard on student body left, student body right. Uh, my next pick, I felt there were three positions that you had to take. You know, obviously, you know, your guards can – a defensive tackle can play guard. I thought there were three positions that you had to take – that specific position and mine were quarterback of course center and left tackle I mean I don't think Derek Brown can play left tackle I mean we've got to protect our quarterbacks so my second pick was uh Dickerson from Alabama I've got he's going to line up at center and he's going to be a defensive tackle wish uh, he he he's going to have to push uh Brown to defensive end which kind of hurts my heart but Dickerson was my second pick center defensive tackle you can already tell that Tiffin's team's going to be slow. For my second pick, <laughs> I went with Grant Delpit, defensive back, LSU. Now, first off, he might be the best defensive player in the league, and he just made the All-American team for midseason. Secondly, he easily fills two premium positions, one of defensive back and one at wide receiver. Those are easily interchangeable. No drop-off in either position there. And thirdly, you have to have two wide receivers playing defensive back out of position. So, I said you have to have. You have. You have, sir. Tiffin, you have two yeah, wide receivers yeah. playing defensive back, as they will learn. They're out of position. And I have two of throwing the ball here. I like my chances there. For my third pick, I went with Javon Kinlaw. Finally got down to the meat of the trenches defensive lineman South Carolina. I would have taken Derek Brown here if you hadn't already snatched him. But this gives me a monster on the defensive line and an obvious offensive lineman who will play left tackle. Now, keep in mind, two is a lefty, so he's playing left tackle, which is not to his blind side. So I've got I've got another guy in mind for that one. Yeah, in hindsight, I probably should have gone D. Brown and then Delpit, but case uh, sera, My next pick of the draft uh, was round three. That So, uh, Ken Law was re- started round three. Ending round three was Leatherwood for Alabama. Of course, left tackle. He's also going to have to play defensive tackle. And then starting the fourth round, first pick was Henry Ruggs third wide receiver, fastest player in the SEC. You can suck it, Anthony Schwartz. Henry Ruggs, and uh, Henry's going to play wide receiver and play cornerback for me on defense. Might run a little wildcat with him, too. Never know. Never know. Yeah, go ahead. You get him broken. My fourth pick, I went with Andrew Thomas, offensive lineman, Georgia. This is the best offensive lineman in the league, and he just received unanimous selection on the midseason All-American team. He'll play right tackle to protect to his blind side. 
and he's also obviously someone that can easily play defensive line, and I have him anchor in the middle of my three-man front on defense. I'm going with the 3-4-D. Oh, wait, I got the next pick, too, which is also uh, – Yeah, the C- other wake, yeah, wake the fifth, up. Hey, hey, hey. Fifth pick was uh, C.J. Henderson, <laughs> DB from Florida. No, sir. No, sir. Whoa. Was it Henderson? I had you with someone else. I had yeah, you with Terrell I th- Lewis. I think your order was all whacked out. It doesn't really oh, matter. Boy. But anyway, this was another All-American midseason selection. He's an easy player to run both ways at defensive back and wide receiver. My secondary is unbelievable with this addition, and if they can cover, they can certainly get an enough window for Tua to throw it into on the offensive side. All right, so the uh, the the so we're in round five here because I, I I know I know when you picked Terrell Lewis, I picked my the pick that I thought I had. But anyway, round five for me, I took the best running back in the SEC. I took Kyron Hill, Kylan or Kyron Cahill, uh, from Mississippi State. He is, I think, he's still leading the conference in yards, even though he like eighteen yards against Tennessee. He's a great player on a bad team. Bottom line, I feel like I've got to steal with him, and he's going to play running back. The, here's the negative. I'm going to be so fleet of foot in the defensive backfield, Hill is going to have to play outside linebacker for me. So we're going to have to get some favorable matchups. We might have to blitz him a good bit. Uh, <laughs> my, my next pick after him was Zuniga, the uh, defensive end from Florida. I've got him at left guard on the offensive line, which is playing out of position, and I've got him at middle linebacker. I've got so much beef up front, uh, he's going to hold down the middle for me. Well, this is where I snuck in and picked Terrell Lewis, whatever order it was. Lewis will be the yeah. first player that I really have to play out of position some. He'll obviously anchor my linebacking core, and his athleticism will be all over the field. Now, on offense, he'll need to buck up a little because I have him as a guard. <laughs> <laughs> on the plus side, though, it looks like he'll be blocking a, a true center in Landon Dickerson, so we should be fine. <laughs> my, <laughs> my next pick was Jerry Judy, uh, a true wide receiver target for two. I need one. I had two DBs before. This is a true wide receiver target. He's the best receiver in the nation. He'll be the first receiver off the board in the draft. There's no doubt in my mind. If you're trying to cover him with another receiver, which it looks like you you are, you've got Henry Ruggs out there uh, on Jerry Judy. (laughs) Uh, That's just a laugher, my friend. Good luck with that. Judy is also fast enough and physical enough to play safety for me. So my secondary is absolutely pure speed. They're faster than tripping it and all you can drink buffet, baby. That that is quick. All right, so rounding out uh round eight and this is where this is we had a it was a good mix of players. Like there were some players that I just didn't even have on my on my sheet and uh, maybe I should have, but we're gonna let Twitter decide that. But uh, I really wanted Terrell Lewis when I picked uh, when I picked Zaniga. I told myself, man, if Lewis is still available, that's who I'm getting, and he was not. So I went with Pitts, the tight end for uh, for Florida. He is lean, uh, a sleek, lean athlete that can play. He's going to play tight end for me on the offense. That's his natural position. He's going to play outside linebacker. So we're going to be bringing the heat on Tua all day long. Um, the next pick in round eight. Or round, we on round nine. I guess we're on round. No, we're on round eight. Uh, Raquan Davis. 
defensive tackle for Alabama. He fell that far in the draft. This was a difficult exercise, and uh, but he's going to play defensive end for me. He's I think he's got the foot speed to do that, and he's going to have to play uh, right tackle for me on offense. <laughs> My eighth pick was Keyshawn Vaughn, running back for Vanderbilt. If you can put up running numbers at Vandy, you can play for me. He's averaging 5.4 yards per carry behind that fluffy offensive line. He's the real deal. Plus, at 218 pounds, he's going to make a heck of an inside linebacker because that's where he's playing on the other side, a true platoon guy. Then my ninth pick, I took Kel Garrett, from line, a linebacker from Missouri. This guy is 6'3", 230 pounds. He's a preseason All-SEC selection. He's hard to block. And at 6'3", he's going to make a heck of a tight end or an H-back. He's another guy who's perfectly suited for platoon football. Just beautiful. Uh, my next two picks, I took All-Americans in the ninth and 10th round. Uh, I do I do agree with you that Judy is the best receiver in the country, but I took the best receiver statistically from the conference in Jefferson from LSU. He's going to play wide receiver, his natural position, and then he's going to line up at cornerback, and he's going to check Judy all day long. And then uh, <laughs> Good luck. My, my tenth pick is Xavier McKinney, another All-American uh, safety for Alabama. He's going to play safety for me. And he's also going to play wide receiver because we're going to go with an ace package, single tight, and then tri- uh, we can go trips or we can go uh, two open. So I think that's a term. We're going to t- what that is? That's two wide receivers on one side and a slot on the other, <laughs> off off the line of scrimmage. Because the tight ends over there, we got to make him an eligible receiver. So Jefferson and McKinney, I picked up in rounds nine and ten. Yeah, very very good picks. Uh, in my 10th pick, I had Buddy Johnson, linebacker A&M. There was a run on linebackers here late. I took three of them. He's the leading tackler and anchor for the A&M defense. 6'2", 228 pounds. I've got full confidence in his ball hawking skills at outside linebacker position, and he will absolutely wreak havoc on your cute little tight end pits. Only thing is, I'm going to have to teach him to snap the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that can't be too Oh, Shotgun City, baby. Uh, my 11th and final pick for my platoon, Mr. Irrelevant, Justin Matabique from Texas A&M defensive lineman. He's from McKinney Elementary School in Texas, 6'3", 304. He moves like someone who is 300, though. Uh, Raekwon is not going to be able to block this monster, and I can easily transition him into a guard. He's going to dominate. <laughs> My last pick. So here's the thing. Uh, if if you're actually listening to this and keeping up with your life, wait a minute. Tiff, Tiff doesn't have a quarterback yet. And the way I figured it, Tua, Tua is was the obvious choice, in my opinion, I mean, yeah, Burrow's been very good, but we're on a platoon system. I mean, two is better than Burrow. I'm sorry, he's better than Burrow. Burrow's played very well this year. One year, two has done it for, you know, three years now. I mean, he as a backup to Jalen the year we won it all, he torched teams when Jalen, when we would get a big lead. So that was the obvious pick at quarterback. So if you're not going to get Tua, you might as well wait to the last pick because your, your counterpart, which was Tom, was not going to pick another quarterback. So – Drum roll, please. <laughs> Get ready to laugh till you hear the uh, reasoning behind this. 
John Reese Plumley from Ole Miss. <laughs> and here's why. Okay. I did not know this till he started playing this year. Uh, Bama recruited him as a safety, and I mean, we wanted him. This cat plays outfield for Ole Miss baseball. He is an athlete. He's a stud athlete, two-sport star in college, so he's going to run quarterback. Yeah, we might have to be a little creative because he's not to a tongue of Loa by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm putting him at safety. So my safety is going to be Xavier McKinney and Plumley back there, and so my defensive backs are, let me find them, Ruggs and Jefferson. Well, that's fine. That's fine. We, we can do it. Hey, at least my safeties are going to be allowed to tackle. You've already told me two is uh, just run off the field. So, you know, that, that wraps it up. Um, we, wait, wait, I, wait. I, before we wrap it up. Before we no, wrap I mean, we're, no, that wraps up the draft. We're not done talking about this oh, okay, by any okay. stretch of the all right, imagination. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the more fun ones we did. Um, and I, I, I will say this. Tom initially said, let's do nationwide. I'm like, dude, that's too many players. But I told, I asked him, I said, um, if it was nationwide, who would you take first? And I said, I know who I would take first. And I think you said the same one I did, Jalen. You know, I mean, Jalen Hurts would be the prototypical. Negative. I um, said I was considering well, Jalen, but I went with Tua regardless nationwide. I can't okay. pass up well, the, the premier quarterback. No, nah, but if it was nationwide, I was going either Jalen or um, – what is his name? Number two. I was talking to Gober about him earlier Young. from Ohio State. Young. Thank you. Chase, Chase Young. That would have been one of my top two picks. But, uh, you know, listening to this, uh, you know, you got Lewis at guard. Dude, we're – so here's who Lewis has to – here's who he has to block. He's got to block either Derek Brown, Landon Dickerson, Leatherwood, or um, Raekwon. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Well, look here. I I af- I analyzed the lineups after we got through, kind of like what you were just referring to, and I looked them over and tried to be as, I guess, uh, non. Uh, what am I trying to say here? I didn't. I did. I tried to be objective. I guess is what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to yeah. say. And so, uh, after looking over them really closely. I will put us around about a 23-point favorite on the road, 30 if we're at home. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the deal. And and all jokes aside, I mean, here's the funny part. This, this football game hinges on Tua staying healthy. You agree or disagree? It does. Yeah. Tua plays four quarters unimpeded. You win the ball game. I, I feel confident. But if we can nick him up just any amount at all – it is. It's going to be a close one, but you know, hey, get on Twitter and uh, and tell us what you think. One of our, one of our ten followers. But uh, Art, are you done with this? Not everybody at once. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good deal. Good deal. All right. We're a slightly over time, but we'll make it. Uh, game of the week. We have one game of the week. It's the cocktail party. But here's what's crazy, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts. There's another big game this week, or it should be a big game. Do you know who plays this week in the ACC? No, I didn't know they were playing this week. Is it Wofford? Florida State, Miami. Yeah, Florida State, Miami. I mean, okay. like oh, we've yeah. said, that's crazy. Twenty. Listen, twenty-five years ago, uh, Georgia versus Florida, or or Florida State versus Miami. I'm watching Florida State versus Miami, but I yeah, digress. No All right, cocktail party, five and a half point line. Tom, take it away. What's the difference between a Georgia fan's car and a porcupine? Uh, the porcu- the porcupine has less pricks. 
Hey, yeah, close. The porcupine has the pricks on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like. I actually don't dislike Georgia or Florida, probably because they're in the East. I tend to root for these squads in bowl games, but uh, this this matchup is going to be interesting. If Georgia plays offense the way they have all year, Florida will shut them down. If they play like they're capable, they'll win by fourteen. But, but all we can do is go on this year's history and not this year's roster. So I expect Georgia to not be very successful offensively. But that doesn't mean Florida romps. I mean, their offense is going to have to find another gear themselves. Only against LSU do they look like a team that could actually score. If they can channel that offensive effort, Florida can win the game by 14. I don't expect it'll be that large of a victory for either side, though. I like Florida to grind out this game to the end. If both teams can stay out of the Fortnite storm, it will go to the wire. This line, currently around three to four, has to be at least ten points lower than the preseason line. So you're getting yeah. value if you go with Georgia here, but I'm not sold. I look for the Gators to eat this one out. Uh, I've also got uh, Florida winning, and it just depends on do you get cable Jake from or do you get DirecTV Jake from. But I think I don't think Fromm has played terrible this year. His receivers are so green. Uh, they, you know, they they lost the kid that was going to be the 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 one returner that had a lot of catches, a lot of yards. Name escapes me right now. Um, you know, he got kicked off the team. So they were just starting kids that have not played a lot of college football, and and it shows. So um, you know, I look for I look for Florida to do what South Carolina did to the wide receivers. I think they went man to man, tight coverage as you can. Hey, if you can guard them for three and a half seconds, we'll have Fromm sacked. So I, I do. I've got Florida on a close one. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, if Florida if Florida wins this, they're gonna have to do something different on offense because here's a stat that I that I didn't have written down in your notes, but I, it is something I heard today, Georgia has not given up a rushing touchdown yet this year. That's damn impressive, sir. It is. It really it is. is. Yeah. So they're going to have to do something different. All right, bets from week eight last week. If you bet the teams we told you to, you cashed in, brother. I had I went 2-0 and for the second week in a row, third or fourth time on the year, uh, tooting my own horn. I had Clemson. I had Tennessee. And I, I, I did Tennessee. I think I said Tennessee uh, wrong team favored. To take the money line unless you just want to be safe take the points but they they won out right by 20 points i went two and oh clemson tennessee yeah i had kentucky as a 11 point dog who won out right by 20 that's always nice um <laughs> i did lose arkansas which i i didn't know that alabama was going to turn Mac loose as much as they did i thought they would run it a lot more and i thought it would you know grind down to a 35 to 7 game or something like that but uh they they got over the number so i went one and one last week my usual record that's that's the same record i've had 80 percent of the time this year uh, not bad but tune in to the uh the october wrap-up and we'll tell you why you should have been betting with me specifically but with both of us overall the whole year you would be up money my friend all right lines of interest week nine give me two games I'm keeping it down home again. Concentrating in the SEC seems to be uh, more favorable to my pick schedule. I'm going with South Carolina minus the 15 over Vandy. 
Carolina just got upset by Tennessee. I know they're asking some questions, but Vanderbilt is garbage. Uh, so I'll, I'll lay the points there, and I'll also lay a big number. I never do this, but I'll also lay a big, huge number of 38 with A&M over Texas San Antonio. You know, A&M, as we pointed out earlier in the year, had a brutal schedule, and they're not getting any love because mainly, you know why A&M's not getting any love? I'm digressing a little bit here. They're not getting losses. any love because they had, well, they have three losses, but they're to Alabama, Clemson, and Auburn, three top ten teams. Uh, the yeah. only reason they're not getting any love is because they had that close game that they actually won versus Arkansas. So I expect them to romp over San Antonio. A&M may turn it up a notch here the rest of the way, and uh, that's not going to be a gimme at the end of the year with LSU. i got a sneaky feeling. All right, my two games, uh, you can move on this first one like the game has already been played. Again, <laughs> wrong team favored. I've got Arkansas money line. If you're not confident with it and you want to take it, it's actually moved to Woo! seven and a half. But we're taking Arkansas money line. They have not won a conference game since uh well they have won one this millennium but it's been a couple of years and i think they take mississippi state mississippi state's just not a good team coaching chemistry i don't know but arkansas goes back home uh you know the whipping bama used to put on you was physical now it's just more demoralizing as far as you give up a ton of points i think they're going to be as fresh as mississippi state will be so arkansas money line and then i've got smu plus five and a half at memphis Game day's coming to Memphis. Memphis has never had game day. They're going to get caught up in all the pomp and circumstance. I'm not sure SMU doesn't win this outright, but I, we're going to take the five and a half points and say it's a field goal game. All right, Instagram model of the week. This is irritates me to no end. About two months ago, uh, Eli Tooley, who we've talked about on this podcast before, he texts me a picture of this girl, and he says, Instagram model of the week in the future, question mark, question mark, question mark. And, uh, man, she was attractive. But, hey, we've had a lot of attractive girls on here. We even had an attractive horse on here. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, sure, you know, but that's the thing. I'm like, dude, this is our podcast. We will put the Instagram model that we choose. Well, the girl's name, her her Instagram uh, handle, for lack of a better term, is at its underscore Julia Rose. Now, some of y'all might be saying, wait a minute, I've, I've heard that name. A couple of nights ago in the World Series, uh, Julia Rose had great seats behind home plate. And when, the, you know, the camera kind of is over the pitcher's right shoulder. Oh, yeah. So she is... Uh, definitely in line with the camera and she knows this and her and her friend, I don't know who the friend was, but they raise up their shirts and show their boobies and instant fame, instant fame for Julia Rose and instant uh, permanent ban from all major league baseball parks. (laughs) But (laughs) give her a, give her a follow. It's at it's ITS at it's underscore Julia Rose. Uh, Tom, you've seen her uh, compared to Deb. Well, first off, Deb hates baseball, which gives her a huge advantage in this matchup. And then when you look and act like Deb does, and then you throw in the sports advantage too, Julia has no shot. So not only is she banned from all major league stadiums, she's I'm also banning her from our Wild Rose Farm. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Julia. 
All right, that wraps it up. Uh, hey, we're right on time, brother. 45 minutes and ticking. Uh, remember, if you're traveling from Oxford to Auburn this weekend, you need to go east till you smell it and then south till you step in it. Take it easy, guys.